You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend planned ahead of you. Good show for you today. We're going to go over Tino on Nick Vile's podcast. Sierra still isn't done throwing shade at Michael. We got some reality shows to go over, uh, and we're going to end with some sports today and a charity event that I'm attending this weekend. We will get to that momentarily. This podcast is also brought to you by Dame of Products. Dame has the new introductory vibrator called the Dip. Whether Dip is your first vibrator or the toy that helps you rediscover what feels good for you, it's designed to be unintimidating and to encourage pleasure exploration without shame. So all you got to do is go to dameproducts.com and use code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off of your first order. That's dameproducts.com. Use promo code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order. All right, let's get going. You know what? This podcast, I almost feel like every single time I start this podcast, I almost have to recap what I screwed up in the day before this podcast. Because yet again, I, I, I screwed it up yesterday, and I was reminded by a lot of people, so I'm just going to say this one last time to fix my screw-up, and then I'm never going to talk about anything regarding Danielle's past or Michael's past, because I cannot... Say it without screwing up. And yesterday I said Danielle's late husband. When I corrected myself from saying ex-husband, I was like, no, I should have said late husband. Yeah, and I got that part wrong because they were never married. Danielle's late fiancé. That's final, and I've said it. So if I even if I say late husband in the future accidentally, just know I said late fiancé. I know it's late fiancé now. Let's put that one to bed. But thank you for all those who corrected me on that because that was another screw-up on my end. Another screw-up that I had yesterday, when I was talking about the five women that Zach met on the After the Final Rose, I said he met five women, and to keep them on the front of your mind when I was giving some spoiler teasers yesterday. And I said those five women were, were the three Bs, Bailey, Brianna, and Brooklyn, along with Christina and Davia. Oops, screwed that one up. Davia was not one of the five that he met on the After the Fun Rose. It was Kat, Kat Carter. Um, her name is Kat Carter. She did go by Kat Wong at one point, but her name is Kat Carter. Now that's what she goes by. Anyway, it was Bailey, Brianna, Brooklyn, Kat, and Christina. So there's my screw-ups from the day before. And yeah, I feel like, and look, I don't want to turn this into, I understand that a lot of you like to point it out and correct me uh, if I'm wrong. I will go back and correct the things that I think you know, our major screw-ups. If I say a word wrong or something, unless it's it totally changes the context of my point, I'll probably leave it at that. But I was, you know, saying Danielle's uh, ex-husband or late husband is wrong. He wasn't. He was never her husband. She was never married. He was her uh, fiance. So, so definitely want to correct that. And I was just flat out wrong. And when I said Davia's name, she was not one of the five that Zach met. It was Cat, not Davia. So that's out of the way. All right, let's jump into the uh, Tino interview uh, with Nick Vile. And you know what? There wasn't any tea in this at all. I think, you know, for two days when I was talking about this, 
I said, look, I hope he doesn't come on there and bash her because then it's just going to be another back and forth and she's going to go on some sort of podcast or go on an Instagram story or do a TikTok and throw shade at what he said and then he might have to fire back and it's, it would be never ending. And if you listened to it yesterday, I listened to some of it. I saw a lot of clips online, so I felt like I got it. I watched Dave Neal's video and Dave and I really seem to have a lot of the same opinions when it comes to things that happen in Bachelor Nation. And I thought Tino did well for himself. And I think the biggest thing that I took from it in listening to that interview is just it goes to show how much this show and its producers really don't give a shit about their contestants. They really don't. They do not care, especially if you're a final couple. I'm sure in the moment, that final day, hey, great, you guys. Let's all toast. Great season. But the second you walk off that set, they don't give a fuck about you. And Tino's story kind of proves it. They don't put you in any sort of position to succeed on this show. And the ones that have succeeded, you can say, well, well Steve, what about, uh, you know, Ryan and Trista? And just, okay, you realize there's been 46 seasons of this show, and I think we still have five couples that are still married. Like, they are the exception, not the rule. It is very hard to be in a relationship post-show on this as part of this franchise. It's just not easy. And listening to Tino talk yesterday, it was just like all the cards stacked against them and the show doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot to help you out. And frankly, they don't care. Hell, they want some sort of nasty breakup to happen so they can film it because it makes for good TV and cringeworthy TV, just like watching Tino and Rachel's breakup at the happy couple weekend, watching them break up on the couch and then bringing Avon in. I think that's the biggest thing I took from that interview. And you feel bad for the guy. And again, the biggest thing I think that he said in terms of his words and not the overall arc of, hey, this show doesn't take care of these couples and they don't give a shit about them, is the fact that Tino seemed really, really broken and to the point where therapy became a big thing for him. But I'm glad that he did not try to try to put off what he did in regards to his cheating. Like he took full responsibility for it and um, said, I do not stand by what I did at all. It was not cool. It wasn't fair to Rachel. It haunts me daily. It's still something I'm ashamed of. And I certainly wish I could have done it differently like a million times over. So it's good. And then he goes to therapy and he tries to find out, okay, why did I cheat? Why did I do that? And, you know, tries to get the answers that way. And, so there wasn't really a lot of tea in this, and I'm sure that, you know, I of the parts that I did here, it didn't seem like Nick was egging him on, but I did find it kind of convenient that Nick had never anything good to say about Rachel this season, but he didn't really make that known too much while he was sitting with Tino, her ex fiance. It was almost like I don't want to, I don't want to go there, and it's just like okay, but if you're going to talk shit about her all season, now you got her ex husband. <laughs> ex-husband, ex-fiance on the podcast, maybe you actually express some of the hard takes that you had against her all season long. But hey, it's his show. He can do whatever he wants. I just find the hypocrisy in it kind of laughable. And I think with Tino, it was good that he did take responsibility for what he did. 
and kind of went into detail about the kiss. And I think his biggest regret seemed to be that he did not tell Rachel right away. And it was funny because, again, this is now the second person that addressed the fact that, well, when I heard other exes coming forward about some of the other guys on our season, just like Eric finally told Gabby about his ex that spoke out, Amanda, it, it almost seems like Eric and Tino's ears kind of perked up once the Kelsey story broke. And they're like, oh, shit. Maybe we should say something because yesterday – Tino said, yeah, we broke up about a month before the finale. Well, I told the Nate Kelsey story, and I outed the Kelsey story around August 9th or August 10th. So, yeah, it was about five weeks before the finale aired. Um, Yeah, so it seems like that's – it took my – I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and take credit for it, but can you imagine if I didn't run the Kelsey story? I wonder if Eric and Tino ever – tell Gabby and Rachel respectively about these exes in their lives because both of them have said Rachel said it Tino followed up with it yesterday Gabby said it when she did an interview that they heard or they saw what was going on with some of the other exes of other guys on the season who had spoke out and so it got them a little nervous about like hey maybe I should tell them this so I'm wondering I mean, it's a hypothetical. We'll never get the answer to it because Kelsey's story is out there. But if I don't run with that Kelsey story, do Tino and Eric tell Rachel and Gabby respectively about what happened? It sounds like no, if I had to guess. That would have been a great question to ask, Nick. Hey, if you didn't hear about the Nate and Kelsey story, would you have told Rachel? I think he can easily say on the podcast, yes, but do we know if that's true? Probably not. Because if he says no on the podcast, he'd be like, wow, so you're hiding the fact that you were cheating? Well, that would have made you look even worse. So he probably still would have said, yeah, I was going to tell her anyway, but I don't know. It's very easy to say that now. It sounds like both guys got scared because other exes were speaking out against other guys on the show. My guess... I bet they wouldn't have. So I really liked the interview that Tino did, and good for him uh, for taking full responsibility and not putting any of the blame, never threw any shade at Rachel whatsoever, and that's the way he should have gone. I I, I don't know if this means that Rachel will even give any sort of response to this, if it means there could be any reconciliation in the future. We don't know, but the guy does seem remorseful for what he did, and he's been through a lot basically said the show didn't really help him all that much. And I think, you know, he addressed some things, the journal, which I never had a problem with in the, in the first place. Um, I just, I felt for the guy, I felt bad for him and you're allowed to feel bad for somebody who actually admits they screwed up. It's okay. It doesn't mean you support his screw up, but you can support, Hey, He understands, or he's at least trying to understand where his screw-up happened, and he's trying to be better for it. And it really sounds that's what Tino's going through, and it seems like he's been through the ringer uh, a lot. So it was a good interview to listen to, and it really showed you a side of Tino that you never saw when the show aired. So it looks like Sierra threw one last shade at Michael. This might be the end of it just because of the way she worded things. On her Instagram, she um, she did a TikTok, and 
it basically said, I hadn't thrown shade before, but this is me throwing it. And forward and onward now, just wanted to get out of my system and remind y'all I'm sweet, sour, far from perfect, and keep it real. And on this um, video, on I believe it was on TikTok, right? Or, was it, or maybe it was on Instagram. It was a video of her with the captions on the screen saying quotes directly that Michael said to her on the show. Something's missing. She's moving too fast. And I'm not sure I'm ready. And then it ended with the words on the screen saying, I never actually saw anything with you, but needed to kill time. So basically what she's saying is Michael just gave me a bunch of lines when he knew the whole time he was waiting for Danielle to come in, which is what we've been saying for the last four days since, uh, or the last week since the episode aired. It's like, look, no one is saying Michael doesn't like Danielle better than Sierra, and he has a better connection with her, and he understands, and Danielle understands Michael way more than maybe Sierra would because of the losses they've had in their life. Nobody is saying he's not allowed to like Danielle because so many people are coming after Sierra like, shut up already. He's, he didn't like you, and he told you he wasn't into you, and he told you that it just wasn't he wasn't feeling it with you. Why can't you get over it? That's not it. She's not saying... I'm still pissed he chose Danielle over me. What she's saying is what he told me doesn't line up with what he's saying after I left and Danielle showed up. And also insinuating he knew Danielle was coming the whole time and he was already emotionally invested in Danielle and he just wasted my time, which I'm sorry. That's the way I see it too. If Michael had no idea Danielle was showing, I think we have a different story here, but he knew she was coming. I guarantee, guarantee. So I understand where Sierra is coming from. And the people that are taking it wrong are taking it as she's still bitter and she doesn't understand why Michael doesn't like. No, 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 no. Michael said it on his date with Danielle. Like he, someone like her understands what he's been through where someone like Sierra possibly couldn't. Doesn't mean Sierra there's no way she ever would have gotten to that point. But yes, it's it's understandable that he connects with Danielle more than he does Sierra. But it's more about what was Michael hiding and what did he know. And we all know that he knew Danielle was coming. Now, the interesting thing will be they are having a reunion show that they're taping on November 4th for this. And I think Michael needs to address this. Sierra's thrown enough shade online and Michael hasn't had to answer for anything. Everybody's calling him the teacher's pet. Everybody's saying he's a protected person on this show. And he hasn't addressed that once. He's not much of a social media guy, but he's going to be up in that hot seat with Danielle. You know, they're still together. Uh, Sierra's clearly going to be at the reunion taping. I, I don't understand. I don't see why she wouldn't be. But this has got to be brought up. And I think Sierra... For all, if she's calling him out on social media, I can't imagine she gets to that taping and doesn't say the same exact stuff that she's been saying for the last week. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Michael answers it. And if he skirts around it and says, I really had no idea about Danielle coming, I that would be a flat-out lie to me. And so I'm curious to see how that plays out because that is going to be one of the biggest things I think people are looking forward to. And nobody's shitting on Danielle and Michael's relationship at all. They're happy. They're together. They've been together for the last four months. They went to Wells' wedding together. Like, they're clearly in a good place. But 
if you're going back to tape a reunion show, they're going to want some sort of drama. This is probably the biggest drama they could probably bring up. And I'm really curious to see how Michael reacts to, you know, everybody knows, you know, whether it's myself or Game of Roses or She's All Batch or Dave Neal, everybody knows that he's protected by the show and he's the show's golden boy this season. And he doesn't seem to either understand that or he doesn't want to address it because he knows he is, but he can't admit it. So we'll see what happens at the reunion taping, but definitely fascinating looking forward to that. As for your sports weekend ahead, you know, last weekend I said I gave, if you want to say I gave out a a pick, which was I told you I was on Tennessee, and I don't know if I'm going to make this a Friday staple where I give out one game that I really like in college football. Maybe I will. I don't know. I There is one game that I really like uh, tomorrow as well, and and it's more of a if you're if you're in the gambling world you would you would know this as called something like a situational play. And do I think Kansas State is a better team than TCU? Probably not. If they played ten times, I think TCU would win seven or eight of those times. TCU is just a better team all around. However. The situational play is to play on Kansas State tomorrow. And I'm on them. It's plus three and a half. I I think they're going to win the game outright. And the thinking is, look at what the gauntlet that TCU has run for the last few weeks. They, They trounced Oklahoma. They go on the road to Kansas and have that barn burner that goes to the final minutes. Then they had to come home and overcome a 14 point deficit in the final six minutes last week and against Oklahoma State and now they have another game it's like back to back to back and here's the fourth game in a row where it's just emotionally taxing and I think Kansas State coming off a bye and they basically if they lose this game they're pretty much out of the big 12 race it's it's a must win and it's not necessarily that TCU doesn't want to win but it's not necessarily a must win for TCU because TCU could lose tomorrow and win out and still be there in the Big 12 championship. I just like Kansas State tomorrow. I th- I like the situation that they're in and I think it's it's very very taxing for for TCU to play these types of games every single week. At some point when you're college kids, it catches up to you and you just can't bring that juice when they expended so much energy coming back from two touchdowns in the fourth quarter last week. So Kansas State uh, is my play tomorrow. Also, this is just funny. This is a a statistical nightmare matchup. Ohio State hosting Iowa tomorrow. (laughs) Ohio State, and I want to thank Joel Klatt for this, the lead analyst for Fox Sports. (laughs) Ohio State averages 6.8 touchdowns a game as a team this year. Iowa has scored seven offensive touchdowns all season. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Iowa literally, and if you looked at those seven offensive touchdowns, I'm guessing, and I haven't broken them down, but I'm guessing a lot of them were set up by turnovers where they had a short field because Iowa might have the worst offense in the history of college football. They are awful. It's a reason they're 30-point underdogs at Ohio State. And, you know, Iowa's got a good defense, but they also have a good defense that hasn't played a team like Ohio State. But it's just funny that Ohio State is averaging almost seven touchdowns a game, and Iowa has scored seven total touchdowns on offense all season. 
that should be a shellacking tomorrow. I, I can't see Iowa staying within four or five touchdowns. You know, not really a play for me because with a big spread like that, I Ohio State could get up 42 to 10 and then give up a late touchdown and win 42-17. You know, you just never know and not cover the spread. So not on that game, but those stats are pretty hilarious. And I will say this. Remember a couple of weeks ago I told you I was a guest judge at the Miss Dallas competition? Well, Miss Teen Dallas was running simultaneously with it. So both shows were combined into one. And I judged, along with three others, the Miss Dallas, and we crowned um, Renisha Peterson. On the Miss Teen side, I told you there was a girl that won, and her name is Allie Appleby, and she's getting a lot of national recognition right now. Because she won and she has a service dog. She suffers from autism and epilepsy, and the dog can notify her and starts barking when he feels a seizure coming on. It's an incredible story. Um, The AP has covered it. Fox News has covered it. I'm going to link to it um, today in my Instagram stories if you want to read it. And I'm going to, you know, the, the director of the Miss Dallas pageant is someone, like I said, that I've been friends with for a long time. I've supported her daughter's charity, which is Emily's Smile Boxes. Emily had a brother named Jude who suffered uh, multiple strokes while in the womb, and he came out, and he had a lot of complications. He lived till he was seven years old, but at the age of nine, Emily started a foundation, a nonprofit organization called Emily's Smile Boxes, where because she had spent so much time in the hospital looking over her brother, and she just got very depressed in there, and she said, it's just hospitals aren't fun. And they're boring and upsetting. And she decided, I just want to make kids happy who are in the hospital. The kids who are actually, you know, sick and in the hospital. And then there's siblings who have to go to the hospital and sit there and really do nothing. You know, there's nothing for them to do at a hospital. It's not a lot of games. So she created Emily's Smile Boxes where you put boxes together and she sends them to hospitals. The boxes have coloring books, little board games, uh, little mini games, Markers, crayons, all this stuff. And uh, she's been doing this for over 10 years now. Um, I met them at a charity event back in, gosh, I want to say 2010 or 2011. Um, Once a year, they have their Hollywood casino night. It's tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going. This will be the third or fourth one I've attended. Maybe the third one I've attended. They haven't had one in a couple years because of COVID. Um, But uh, I just wanted to say that I wanted to put that out there. If you feel the need to donate, I know I've put this, I know I've talked about this on and off for 10 years, but I'm going to put it up there again, emilysmileboxes.com. You can just donate um, to the foundation. It's a nonprofit organization. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, they're, they're part of it. I, I've known them for 10 years and I just think I, I, I wanted to throw the name Allie Appleby out there and I will link to it tomorrow in the Instagram stories as well, because it's such a good story. Even though I didn't judge Miss Teen, um, I was talking to the judges and they were just blown away by her interview session. And it was really cool to see her win. It's really cool to see her getting national recognition for this. And now she goes on to compete for Miss Teen Texas. And God, I hope she wins because it's such a good story and I hope it gets out there. And, and it's not because, and if she does win, it's not because that she's got a disability. Uh, there's way more to her than that. I'm going to be able to, I talked to her a little bit at the after party that night. Um, she's going to be at the event tomorrow night. Um, just it's the first, it was the first, the best, best story is it's the first pageant she's ever entered. And, you know, if you go to her Instagram page, 
you can see her caption and what she wrote. It is just, it is awesome. Uh, and so happy for her. And I hope she, and I'm throwing the name out there because I have a feeling that you're going to be hearing more about her. Uh, even if you don't follow pageants, the fact that it's being covered, like I said, like by the AP, uh, by Fox news, by, uh, by E E online covered it. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a really cool story. So anyway, I'm going to that event tomorrow night for Emily smile boxes. It's a casino night. I'm sure I'll be parked at the, uh, craps table the whole time, you know, fun, you know, you get play with play money and get to, you turn your money into tickets, you get your tickets and you put them into prizes that you want to win that have drawings later on, but it's just, a, it's an all around good time. So just wanted to promote that really quick. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you all have a great weekend. Let's go Kansas state. Ema, right? Every man, a wildcat. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you on Monday. See you.